What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is, it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. Teresa, I'm, I'm, I'm so honored to have you on the Zen Business Show, and uh, your reputation absolutely precedes you. Um, you know, coming off of the referral from Jessica Killings is always a, a great start. Um, she's been on the show before, and she's an awesome person. Me and her are pretty close. We've done a lot of business together and, uh, and have a great friendship going. So, um, yeah, do you mind just getting us started by telling us a little bit about, you know, Teresa de Pascal's story? Yeah, sure. Well, first, thank you for having me. Okay, my story. Where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm currently the founder and CEO of Capture Social Group. So I basically own a uh, social media and online marketing agency. And we specialize in working with entrepreneurial experts to help them build their brand online. But I actually got my start in the fitness industry. So I was a health and fitness expert for about 15 years. I started owning brick and mortar gyms. I didn't love that because I didn't like being tied to a business. So I ended up selling it, closed one, which was another story. And I started Instagram back in, I think it was like eight years ago. And I was kind of like right time, right place and ended up kind of learning the Instagram underworld. I built a big, um, a bunch of big marketing pages on Instagram, like share pages that I would sell marketing on. I kind of built my page doing that. And then through that time, I built a really big fitness brand, Bikini Boss Fitness. Um, ended up, after I built that brand, ended up like writing a book. I had the app, did all the things. And then kind of got a little tired of it and decided it was time to evolve into some other things. So I sold that business and here I am. Wow. A lot of, uh, a lot I've of, I've lived a lot in my 37 years. It's, it's impressive. <laughs> yes. So that's great. A few exits in there, a lot of businesses built. Um, yeah. you must've really been hustling huh? Yes. There's, there's been some trials and tribulations. The gym, the gym was a debacle, but I feel like, as you know, part of entrepreneurship is all those failures kind of lead you to where you are. So I kind of needed that as a stepping stone to get to where I was. And if I didn't have go through that, then I'd never be here. So yeah, so absolutely. So what's it like uh, running a brick and mortar business? Oh gosh. Well, I was young. I was 24 when I first opened my gyms. No, 25. I'm sorry. And I had a brand new baby. I had an eight month old. And then throughout the four or five years that we owned the gyms, I ended up getting pregnant, losing it, getting pregnant again with my daughter. And so no I had way. two little babies. I was a new wife, obviously a very young entrepreneur before there was, I feel like, a lot of these resources that we have now, you know, mm-hmm. with all this good information. Uh, so it was it was a lot. Um, I didn't love it because I felt like as a mom, it wasn't allowing me to be the mom that I wanted to be. You know, I don't want to miss the soccer practice. And I don't want to miss all these things. And so it was kind of burning me out, even though we had a really great concept and a really great thing. So it ended up, my business partner and I had a falling out and I ended up getting really sick. And she ended up working for the competition, direct competition. Mm-hmm. So we ended up closing one gym and I kind of sold the other one for nothing. We bankrupted the business and I took a break for a year and naturally I can't not work. So that's when I kind of started doing like the online, uh, the Instagram stuff, which turned into a business. I think I had probably like close to 10,000 followers and I'm like, gosh, everyone keeps asking me for like all this info. Maybe I should write an ebook. And so I wrote an ebook and I never forget like the first day I sold like $5,000 and I was like, Oh, this is like a business. Wow. <laughs> and it just kind of iterated from there. It's amazing. So. 
And so, you know, you mentioned there's some trials and tribulations. I think every entrepreneur, yeah. it's, yes. it's a little hard to describe how backbreaking some things can feel, which I think is why mindfulness is such a, a pivotal component to success these days. Instead yes. of just being somebody who's all uptight and paranoid and looking over at the competition. living. There's like this, uh, I think it was the founder of Dell said, only the paranoid survive. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, that is the opposite of how I want to live, right? And yeah. this constant state of fear of what the competition's doing and I'm not doing enough yep. and all that. And that really represents the old the old guard of, of business, in my opinion. So how did you get through those crazy trials and tribulations? Like what, where does mindfulness and fitness play into that? Gosh, okay. So it's been a, it's been a long road. Obviously, um, it was very difficult at the beginning to get through that, especially when you're in a marriage with someone. So like, it was very difficult difficult for our marriage. And we started off kind of doing some therapies where I got introduced to like meditation and hypnosis and EMDR. I don't know if you've heard of that technique and all these different things to kind of start looking inside and seeing like, okay, you know, all the triggers and everything everyone talks about. So that was the first step. And I'd say it probably took a couple more years when I started getting more and I actually started incorporating meditation. I truly feel that meditation has changed my life. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not the best at it to this day. Like I try every day to have at least 10 minutes of mindfulness, whether that's going for a walk without my headphones on and just being kind of present of like the squirrels running across the road and like the birds chirping, um, or it's an actual like sit down meditation. It's been pretty transformative for me. And I think it's been, I've gone through a lot of like personal healing, you know, from like all the traumas and stuff, which I don't know if you want to talk about the show, but it's allowed me to get to the next level of my life. Because I feel like entrepreneurship is the biggest personal development journey you're ever gonna go on, right? Mm -hmm. And to get your business to where you want, you have to go through your own personal development journey and that's like a huge component of it. Yeah, absolutely. Was there like a landmark event or some kind of challenge or or breakdown that caused you to to explore this inner journey or was it just like a culmination of small things? Getting sick multiple times. And burning myself out, you know, burning myself to the ground. And I had two kids, I had all the businesses and just kind of not taking any time for myself. So I started meditating and I kind of started realizing, whoa, it's like counterintuitive. If you take more time off to do all these things, then you're more productive. So it was kind of like this like flip-flop. And now it's funny, even to this day, like this weekend, I just went for three days and I'm like, didn't, wasn't really on my phone, like not. I went and got a uh, massage. I went to sauna and meditated, like all these things. And this week I'm like so productive. So it's understanding that you need that time to, for me, it's kind of restorative energy wise. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. It uh, it rings true. A a lot of my experiences, you know, for for me, I had a, when I was running my tech company, I had, um, long story short, I was, working on this deal with Kevin Hart and he was supposed to invest in it. It's actually what brought me out to LA. And, um, you know, the day that he was landing in Philly, the deal was almost done and I was supposed to go see him uh, at this unveiling of a a mural for him. And and that morning it was like 11 a.m. I just like, all of the the world was crashing down. Like the deal was, you know, we were having trouble getting it done. And I was under all this stress of being a founder and not taking a paycheck. And it had been like, you know, I'd invested all my savings into this company. And I, mm-hmm. I literally just had a panic attack. And then I went up into my room. My co-founder's like, where are you? You're supposed to be there right now, blah, blah. And 
I, I went back and I just laid on my bed and started crying sadly and then just fell asleep. It was really weird. But after that, I was like, whoa, this, there must be some crazy internal tensions that have finally manifested themselves and just like caused, you know, my world to shatter in front of me. And of course the deal yeah. fell through and all that stuff. But that was really the starting point for, you know, looking inward and, and making those fixes. And so that's why I was asking you if there was like a specific memorable event where it was like either a breakdown or a breakup or something like that. I would say, Treated yeah, that. I mean, there was a couple. It's funny because my husband and I kind of went on the journey together because we both had our own issues and he definitely was not meditating. I was not meditating and like we had all these things that we had to work on. So we got into a point because we actually, we own functional medicine stem cell clinics as well. So he's got a major business over here and wow. I have my businesses over here. So, and we do our own thing. So as you can imagine, an entrepreneur couple is very like, you know, and raising kids, it's a lot of tension. Um, so we got to a point where we were like brink of divorce. And I was like, the only way this is going to work if we like take the time to work on ourselves and see if we can get through this. And so he took it very seriously. I took it very seriously. And because of all that, like the stress, my health was just between the businesses and the stress and everything. My health was not good. I was very sick. So that was kind of like the pivotal moment. I think when I was like, I have to change whatever we're doing. It's not working. Wow. Yeah. It's always fascinating to me when we see the physical implications of this inner tension, you know, mm -hmm. it can basically shatter your physical health. And it's really sad. I guess I, I don't think a lot of people have that awareness. They're not, they don't realize that the reason they don't have energy is because they're, they're out of alignment and, you know, they're waking up in fear and things like that. I mean, especially as an entrepreneur, they're really, you, you're up late at night. You, you're just thinking about yeah. all the holes in the business and things like that. And in your situation, you've got kids and a, and a husband involved. What kind of, you know, physical implication did it have where you were just sick or, you know, tired or anxious? Yeah. Well, I went through a couple of different episodes, but more recently, I guess it was September of last year is when I finally figured out what part of the problem was, is um, ever since my gym. So when the gyms closed at the same time that like all that was happening, my grandmother passed away suddenly and ended up, I woke up one day, my daughter was like eight months old and I woke up and I had like golf balls on my neck, like gigantic golf balls. And my husband, who is like no a physician, who's super calm about everything was like, Oh my God, you have to, you need to go to an ENT like right now. Like that looks like lymphoma. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like I got the chills. Um, so I went to the, I went to the, the ENT and they're like, I don't even have to like palpate you. You're like classic, you're 30, like whatever it was, 29. It's like classic lymphoma. You need to go and see what your options are. So of course we're very holistic. So my husband's like, no, you're not doing any of that. So he found like an integrative medical doctor here in Tampa and ended up going and I ended up going through this like high dose of vitamins and all this crazy stuff, uh, uh, emotional therapy. So this is when I kind of first got introduced to this whole thing. They do, I don't know if it's like energetic healing. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. But this whole energy component of it, um, the doctor made me watch Bruce Lipton, Biology of Belief. Would you, you, are you familiar with his work? No, I've got to check it out though. But it's really good. Notes. So it's basically how he talks about how like you, we create our reality. You can, so it's all about like, how your beliefs affect your biology. Like it's interesting. Wow. So it was kind of like that moment. I think that was maybe the pivotal moment that I really started being like, whoa, there's a connection with like how stressed I am or whatever, my physical health, which I was a health and fitness expert, by the way, and I didn't understand any of this. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was kind of my gateway into like the whole functional, like energetic kind of world. So I got better and it was years until I'd say a few years later and then I got sick again. 
So long story short, they went away. I went through 10 days of like this high dose, whole crazy detox therapy, everything went away. And then they came back and I ended up finding out because of all the stress, again, I was under with business and like the stress of my husband, like I told you, this was my breaking point. I got really sick again. It was about a year that I would come home and I felt like a complete fake because here I am this fitness expert on Instagram and here like my brand. And I would come home and lay on the couch at like five o'clock every day, exhausted. I couldn't get off the couch. I couldn't make dinner for my kids. I was so fatigued. Like I had zero energy for anything. I was physically exhausted and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And thankfully I was healthy and at least I was doing, you know, like the, the, the green shakes and the supplements and like I got sleep and exercise. But I ended up finding out that I had um, a cavitation. Have you ever heard of cavitation infections? Mm-mm. So it was basically like this infection that in my jaw that was like creating all the uh, like lymph tumor nodule things. So I got it taken care of. But that it was a whole experience of like the reason I got to that point is because of how emotionally and physically stressed I was. Like my body literally was like just breaking down. Like I was getting like these crazy infections that wow. here I am, this is health and fitness expert, but because of like the emotional component of what I was going through, like my body was just a disaster. So it was kind of that process that led me to like, I have to take the time to do these other things. Wow. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was a long couple of years. So you, you got rid of the lymphoma purely with energetic healing and learning and alignment but no kind of like radical, like medical intervention? So I was never clinically diagnosed with it because when I went to the the medical MD, he's like an Eastern Western medicine. So it's pretty interesting actually because there's functional medicine doctors, but he was Eastern. He's like Chinese medicine and stuff. So he does a ton of like energetic, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he put me through this. It was like very high dose vitamins, colloidal silver, antifungals. He like bombed me with everything. And so they went away the first time, went back again. He did the second time. He's like, you have to go get your teeth checked out. I think you have an infection in your jaw. And it's from when they remove your molars. Watch the movie. It's called um, The Root Cause. It's a documentary. It talks all about it. It's Damn. actually really common. Yeah. So through that, so even though I was physically sick, basically my body was deteriorating. My immune system was weak because of the emotional part. You see what I'm saying? Because of the stress mm-hmm. that I was under. So had I not been so frantic and stressed and killing myself, my body would have been able to defend itself better, but because I was so crazy. So I kind of had to, it's kind of like when you get that sick, you start realizing, okay, what's important here? Like, you know what I mean? Killing yourself over all this stuff or really taking the time to make your health a priority. That's where now I have, I have what's called my magic morning. So I don't take any calls before 10 o'clock because I make the time I exercise. I have infrared sauna, I meditate. I do all my things in the morning and I won't give that time up for anybody. It's my magic morning. Because I make sure every day that I have like my self-care time. Can you just bullet point out exactly what that magic morning looks like? I'd like for, you know, the listeners to be able to just like, you know, take note and maybe implement it for themselves. So it depends. Like right now it's summer. Some of my kids are home. They're downstairs. But when they go to school, I either take them or I have a girl that helps me take them. But just depending, I usually wake up. I like to go in the sauna one day or exercise the other day. And sometimes I do cardio. So I kind of do whatever my body feels like. I don't have like a set like mm-hmm. lifting schedule anymore. I used to be, I was a WF pro fitness model. So I spent years being like extreme. So now I'm kind of just like, oh, what do I feel like doing today? So I'll go like jog on the bayshore by the water or I'll do my sauna or I'll work out. And then typically like when I do my sauna, I always put on a meditation. Mm-hmm. So I'm really big. I love like chakra meditations. I like sound healing. So I have like my couple that I really like. Um, I have some affirmations that I do. And then on the days that I don't do the sauna meditate in the morning, what I'll do is because I work on the computer all day is I'll typically take like 10 or 20 minutes in between my calls and do like a full on meditation. Just like, because I'm sure you know, 
I get kind of like, ah, and then I'm like, I need like a, a yeah. break. So that's kind of like my routine every day. Got it. So just to summarize, you had some physical and uh, energetic misalignments that caused blockages to happen. And yep. when you did the energetic healing work and some physical supplementation, you broke those energetic blockages essentially without any kind of like chemo or you know any aggressive nope, treatment. Nothing. I did. I had a. I had to have a um, cavitation surgery on my jaw, so that was a major ordeal. So that was part of the healing. Was first getting out the infection, but then it was like rebuilding the body after. And I've done some really interesting therapies treatments. I have a friend here who owns a medical practice who's very energetic. And she's got a physician there that does adjustments, but it's an energy adjustment. Mm -hmm. And it's the most incredible thing I've ever felt in my life. She doesn't actually adjust you. She like literally does like energetic balancing and it's incredible. It's amazing. So I've done a lot of energy work. Yeah. So do you think that there was, you were carrying tension in your throat chakra and in your jaw from stress? Totally. And you think that that contributed to the, the blockages and the misalignments? Absolutely. In fact, have you ever heard of, have you ever gotten a natal chart done? No. Are you familiar with what that is? So it's astrology, but it's not like woo-woo astrology. It's more of like they take your exact birth time and your birthday and all the things and see where all the planets were when you were born. So it's like physics. Mm -hmm. And then they map out and they can see your entire blueprint of your life. And one of my karmic purposes here on earth was to find my voice. It's got the chills. Wow. Uh, I'm super, yeah, energetic. So I think like she told me that everything I've been through was like allowing myself to find my voice because part of, so this is very deep into the story, but when I grew up, I was raised that children should be seen and not heard. I was never allowed to talk. So part of the problem with my husband was that I felt like I, like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Like I need a voice too. So it was just constant like, (laughs) like clashing. So it's been a journey of finding my voice, which is why it makes sense on my, on my neck and my throat. Like you said, exactly. That's wild. That's quite an awareness to have that all available to you now as well. You know, I, I find that interesting because all of these, the, the upbringing, the, the marriage, probably there's things you wanted to say to your kids, but maybe didn't say in business, there's always a lot we want to say, but maybe don't say. And of course it manifests itself in your third yep. chakra. And then when you got that aligned and, you know, the longer you kept it aligned, the, the longer it was preventing you know, issues and, and keeping the flow of energy and blood moving smoothly. I find that really interesting because I'm sure a lot of people will struggle to find their voice. I think we all do to some extent, but there's different chakras in the body where, you know, if you like your sacral chakra could be misaligned and you could have sexual issues or, or tensions, or, you know, it could be something in your solar plex where you're having like identity stuff. And it, it all relates to these these conditionings, this societal training, to uh, your upbringing, uh, maybe struggles that you have, you know, trying to totally. express. And it's it's really interesting that sure enough, once you started finding your voice and and bringing you know cleansing energy to your your throat, then it started going away. And that's uh, that's really awesome to hear that you, you worked through that, and also. You can't just do it once like you saw, you know, it's not just a one-time fix. And that's, that's why the habitual part is so critical. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it almost costs you your whole life, your, your, your kids, your relationship and stuff like that. 
So that's that's really awesome to see that you've you've overcome that. It's, it's admirable. Did you study Dr. Joe Dispenza's work around healing and? So it's funny that things. you just said that because I was just thinking that in my brain right now. I still find that when you're saying, like talking about meditation, like it's still really difficult for me to do it. I'm not gonna lie, I have to force myself to do it because. It's like, I'm always like busy, 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 busy. So I'm like, okay. But I always think about Joe Dispenza, how he talks about starting your day. If you can master your mind and master your body and sit, even if you just sit for 20 minutes, you don't have to get in like the actual, what is it? Theta state or whatever, but just the ability to master your body for that 20 minutes is like so amazing for the rest of your day. So I always try to keep that in mind. That's something I'm like, okay, just make yourself do it. Cause I'm not naturally inclined to want to do it, but I understand the implications if I don't. So yeah, I find that I'm the same way. I'm I'm very hands-on, proactive. I'm more like a dexterous person. Like I like doing mm-hmm. things. And I find you know a lot of friends along the way have said, "Oh, you've been blessed with such great work ethic, and how do you work so hard for so long and all this stuff?" And uh, for people like us, it actually it can have a reverse effect, right? We overwork ourselves, um, we take yep. on too much mental load and then we end up paying for it and we envy the people who are, you know, maybe exactly. more relaxed or maybe more complacent and can just enjoy the moment more. And that's it can be quite it's, frustrating as somebody who's hustling. I'm, sh- I'm sure you can attest though. I mean, it's totally changed this past year even. I feel like I'm a different person. Like even my whole like husband and my friends and family, they're like, gosh, because on the weekend, I'm like, put the phone down. Like, I'm not on the phone 24-7. I'm not working. I know that it'll be there. And I'm like super present when I'm with my kids. So it's helped me a lot, like just being more present with my children, my family. So, and I enjoy it. Like, I love it. I almost feel like, and I'm sure this is kind of like what cliche, but people don't want to sit and go inside. So like they distract themselves with the phone because they don't want to sit and, and do that inner work. But when you do it, it's kind of like now I'm not afraid to be present almost, right? I was kind of like distracting myself from all these whatever. It's been quite the journey for sure. So do you think that your relationship with your husband, did you guys, you know, are you different people from when you started? Oh my, totally, completely. So you did it together. 100%. Yeah, I think that's a challenge. I, I, I read this book and uh, I really liked it. And he said one of the things was like, you can't bet on who your partner is going to become. You have to bet on who they are today. You can't bank on people changing to to, to match you better, or mm-hmm. else you end up in this, you know, game of playing God, trying to trying to change the outcomes. And so, you know, what's it like growing together with somebody? Do you have to commit to being patient and and understanding that they'll change at their own pace? Like, what's that like? And how did you see that? You know, I am very fortunate because my husband was willing to do the work and to change. I think I know a lot of people that are in relationships where that's not the case. And I, I, I just got very lucky. I don't know. Or maybe it's not luck. But I think that for him and I, it was really important to stay together as a family for the kids. So we're willing to do whatever it takes to be able to make that happen. So I think having the children kind of made it easier for us to commit, you know what I'm saying? To commit to getting better, to commit to doing the work, to staying together and making it work. Whereas if somebody doesn't have, um, if somebody doesn't have that, it might be, they wouldn't have as much incentive to do it. You see what I'm saying? So I think yeah. that was a big factor for us as well. That's uh, it's, it's really beautiful. And um, I want to acknowledge that because like you said, if there's not, if there's like an exit valve or, you know, a way that people can pull out and not have an implication on anybody else and they'll be inclined to when the going gets really, really hard like that, 
and I hate to compare relationships to business, but there's definitely some parallels in that if you're committed to a business, you don't just give up when the going gets tough. Same with the relationship. You've really got to, just because you're both dealing with challenges doesn't necessarily mean you can just, or you should just cop out. Instead, you know, if you make it through and you become stronger for it, then you're that much more empowered on the other side. Absolutely. It hasn't been easy. I mean, I'm not saying it was like the easiest thing, but again, I think that just having kind of the common goal of like making it work for our family and for our kids was what really kept us each like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to, and I've been very fortunate that he, he's changed a lot. You know, he's grown a lot. So I know some people, when you're in a relationship where you're growing, 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 and another person isn't, it's very difficult to, to stay together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think guys also have a, uh, a tendency to be a bit more like, uh, hardened in their ego and, and a bit more brittle. So when it comes time to to address those inner workings, you know, a guy might be an ultra high performer totally. and say, why do I need to change? It's gotten me this far. Totally. Yeah, well, special. I can tell you this, that I was the catalyst in him doing it because there was not an option. <laughs> it was like, you're going to do this and you're going to get work with this person and do all this inner work or else we're not going to have a relationship because we have to. So he was committed. He did it. Good for you guys, you know, set boundaries yeah. and said, this is what we have to work within to make this work. Yep, totally. That's amazing. So that I can see that that set a stage for success and every, every day is still, you still have to have the habits. You don't get any breaks, you know, you still have to, like you said, you're not a great meditator. I don't think any of us are that great at meditating, but it's really the practice yeah. of like slowing down and at least trying. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe once a quarter you have one of those deep spiritual experiences or something like that. You know, it's 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 set a stage for you, and I I can I can feel your presence and your energy are very clear at this point in time. When it comes to applying that to your business and and your work, like how do you manifest? these awarenesses and learnings that you've had to empower your team more, to uh, work with clients, to be patient with clients? Like, what's that look like? So a big thing for me is I am talking about manifesting. I'm very abundance mentality. So I'm constantly coaching my team because a lot of them, you know, they're young and they get like, oh my God, if we lose this client, and I'm like, it doesn't matter if we lose that client. There's going to be like four or five more behind them. It doesn't like, it's all just keep doing the work, just keep putting it out mm-hmm. and like, so I'm, I'm like a super manifester. Like it's weird, actually. I think about it and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but that's just something that I practice and I don't, it's been very helpful for business because I don't dwell on the negative. I'm not competitive. I don't like look at what everyone else is doing and like, oh my God, they're doing it better. And I just focus on myself and I have like a complete abundance mentality and I know whatever's meant to be for me is going to be. And I'm attracting everything. Like I'm very big about everything comes exactly when it's supposed to. So, you know, if I wanted to launch in January and I didn't launch until April, that was the perfect time to launch. So it's just, that's how I operate my business, which has come from a place of being like kind of aligned, like you're talking about, like very like present. And I kind of like just like go to the universe and it is what it is. Yeah, that's a, it's a great insight. I think, you know, both of us being in the marketing world, it's the most competitive, but it's also the most in demand type of work, I think. And so if we were to constantly be looking over at our competitors and seeing what we weren't doing, you, you could make a whole hellish lifestyle out of just, you know, watching the competitors and, and dreading what they're doing and you're not doing. Um, and I've never been much to, to look over at the competition. I almost feel bad sometimes when I, people see, say like, oh, did you see what happened in the news today with, you know, Same. this marketing stuff? And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> but uh, I did work on my business, you know. 
So, you know, I think you've developed a level of confidence that says, look, I'll, I'll check in when I need to, but my main focus is here, not selfishly or disrespectfully. It's just like, um, I'm going to, I'm not going to have a bunch of distractions floating around in my mind and my peripheral space. It's, it's going to be about my mission, my goal. So how do you handle those situations when a client does want to cancel? Are you understanding or, you know, do you really it, hold It hasn't happened a lot. So we actually have really good retention, but on the one occasion that's happened so far, it wasn't a good fit. And so we were really excited. <laughs> we were kind of like, thank God. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I like, I didn't want to have to fire the person, but they ended up wanting to cancel. I'm like, yes. So I don't get upset at all. And like I said, I know that when one goes, I'll have three more in its place. And I don't even, I mean, I just don't have any, I don't worry about it at all. I keep, you know, I'm big on like focus on producing, put your head down, try, you know, making an impact. Like we work with a lot of heart centered entrepreneurs who are like doing a lot of big things as far as like health and wellness by us is doing this for them. Like we're making a very big impact in people's lives, like mindset, spirituality. A lot of our physicians are talking about meditation and mindfulness and like functional health. So I love what we do. So I just keep focusing on, you know, the mission and it all works out. It's amazing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if I've learned anything from serving over 150 clients with our company, it's that people who are a bad fit will, will find their way out the door. And you don't have to stress about that. You don't have to worry about it. Generally, you don't even have to fire them because they'll, they'll see their way out. And it's kind of the same way in life, right? Like people who aren't bringing you good energy and aren't adding to your life will kind of, you know, that'll become obvious and, and a natural parting of ways is, is fine. You know, it's no reason to be defensive or offended by it or whatever. Totally agree. That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit more about the the work that you do. Like what kind of, are, are you doing like the branding for these entrepreneurs? Are you setting up their yep. social feeds? Like how does that look? All of it. So we work with entrepreneurial experts, which are a lot of them are like big physicians, but my clientele are typically like seven-figure entrepreneurs who do online marketing and they have the platforms or they have the programs and the books and all of that. Um, so we basically, or for example, you know, a person who has a very successful brick and mortar, but doesn't have an online presence. So they have an established business and then we basically take and build them online. So we build their personal brand online. So it's part branding and then part social strategies and all that fun stuff. And then we do a little work on the back end too. So like we help them, you know, coming up with like different lead magnets and opt-ins and things because we are really good at getting conversions off of social media onto other platforms. So we're kind of like lead gen. So we're like a Facebook ad, but without paying for it. We have stuff to help them with that too. So it's it's pretty unique what we do actually. It's not your typical social media agency. It's really meant for like expert online marketers. Got it. Do you try to impart any of that, the learnings from your personal and spiritual and mindfulness journey to, to empower them more? So they're all, almost all of our clients are very woke. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I think to get to the level of client that I'm working with, you have to, you know, for the most part, like have gone through that process. So mm -hmm. all of the physicians we work with are super functional. They all talk about mindfulness meditation, like every one of them. Um, so most of them are very big on that. It's funny, even in fact, the, I have an attorney that I work with who is gone through a ton of spiritual healing and she does a ton, like her whole thing now is mindfulness around money. So it's like kind of everything we work in, that's like our bubble really necessarily have to teach them that they're they're all very big into it probably makes things very smooth seamless. totally it's easy yep cool so you're you're definitely juggling a lot you know you've got kids you've got a family you know i, I guess i want to know like everyone only has eight hours in a day 
you have children, like what would you, what would you say differentiates uh, an ultra high performer who grows exponentially, both per- personally and professionally, from somebody who just grows in a linear way? Like, how are you doing that? You've got limited hours in the day. Like, what's the difference there? That's I think two pronged. One is taking the time for the inner work. Like I have my magic morning and making sure you have that on point. But then on the business side, you have to understand how to scale a business because for me, it's like being efficient. So I think a lot of people say kids hinder your progress and I think it actually made me better because I have to figure out how to get my shit together and get it done in when they're at school because I pick them up from school. So I have whatever that is, six, seven hours to do all of my personal care stuff, my work, whatever. So I have to grow my business efficiently. So I'm very big systems and processes and figuring out, like I'm, I'm good at scaling. So that's been a gift of mine, I think, to be able to do that. You're just so, yeah, I think uh, most people would say if you can only work six hours in a day, you're going to lose two people working 14 hours. The truth is, is like Tim Ferriss said, like, you know, act as if there's a gun to your head. You know, you've got, you've got to get it done in this time frame. You've got to make it happen. And I think that actually improves our productivity and our self-worth because we're using our time more effectively. Totally. I do not waste any time. So it. it's, it's figuring out how to be systematized and how to delegate. Delegation is a big, it's a key factor. You can't micromanage everybody. How many people are on your team? I have eight people right now. Do you do the deliverables and the tactical work for your clients or do you delegate it all? So we have a process in place where um, I have brand managers to help me with the account. So I do like the overall strategy, um, creative direction with everything. And then they kind of help curate the content. And then I go through and put like the finishing touches on it. I'm actually like a certified direct response copywriter as well. So a lot of what we do is like the captions have to be on point. So we write copy. So I have a whole process in place where I kind of go through at the end just to prove everything. Um, and obviously we do a lot of health content. So I want to make sure that's accurate, you know, making sure that the content's on point. So it's a pretty good system. You know, obviously it's a service business, so it's tricky when you want to scale it, which we're already working on the next level of scaling because when you're someone that wants to be that involved, you become a bottleneck. So I'm kind of working on the next steps, like, okay, how can I now hire someone or figure something out to put them in place here so I can now go over here? So that's what we're working on now. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's definitely complex. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm running a service business as well. I understand that. And, you know, even when the team is fully staffed out, like, and they're running things, it kind of loses its magic touch if you take your hand out of, of everything. Um, yep. So I can definitely empathize there. So what's, what's your, do you have like a rubric or some methodology you use for prioritizing which tasks you're going to work on? Like, do you, do you rank them by the dollar per hour value or do you use like a, the urgent important matrix or anything like that to figure out what you will no, spend your time on? I kind of have a process like every day I pick my top for things I have to get done. So it's like, cause there's always a writing list of a million things, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. I, you know, if anything, I'd say I kind of do like the sprints. Have you heard of like the, the 10 day sprints? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I need to make this funnel, like this lead magnet. Like, what do I need to do? I need to get this lead magnet done. Then I get this. It's like, and I have every day, like I need to get, cause, cause I, part of my day goes to the agency side where I have to get half of my day to that. So in my free time, what other things am I doing? And so I kind of prioritize in my head and every day I pick the top for things I have to get done to move to that next phase. So it's just my own little system. Um, I don't really do urgent and important, but I can tell you I'm more like that with my time because now I'm more particular about who I do speaking engagements with or like, you know, I say to a lot of people because if you look at the amount of time you spend on it versus what you could be making. So I'm more particular there. Um, but yeah, I think every day I just have like my top three action items that I have to get done that day. Love that. Yeah, 
use a similar system, have my MITs. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I, I do a daily review. It's like a Google form and I put whether I you know, finish those MITs and then journal and I score like my emotional energy and my physical energy and things like that, which I'll leave in the show notes so people can do that for themselves. That's but amazing. I, I need to get on that level. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share it with you if you want to copy in. I actually just have one more question that I want to ask you and you know, you can take as much time as you want on it, but uh, what is your favorite mistake or something that felt like a Ooh. shortcoming at the time, but ultimately blessed you? Gosh, that's a good one because I have a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think about it. There's so many that are coming to my mind right now. Um, a couple of them. So one is, I think that when I was younger in a business, I always felt like I had to do what I was doing with somebody else to give me more credibility. So in other words, like I had to have a partner to always constantly do this stuff when I was always capable of doing it myself. And it kind of just took me like 10 years of entrepreneurship to figure that out. So that's a big one because I made a lot of mistakes with partnering with people that no bueno. Oh gosh, we can go on a couple. Um, when I first started doing online marketing and had absolutely no idea what I was doing, and I thought a funnel was for pre-workout, <laughs> um, I, st <laughs> I started doing literally, I was like, wait, what is that for? A funnel? I had no idea. So I started doing Facebook ads to get people on my email list. And I was spending like $5,000 a month, which was a lot. That's like a lot. And paying the person to do it on the side. So I was spending yeah. like $8,000 a month on Facebook. And then getting on my list and they just sat there and nothing happened. There was nothing set up in the back end. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Wow. That was a good one. Um, so yeah, you need a nurture campaign and something to sell them. Mm -hmm. So I've made so many mistakes. I call it my, it's my $150,000 online marketing degree. I, I would say it's probably more. It's probably like 500000 at this point between the masterminds and the yeah. mistakes and the everything that I've done. Yeah. So there's been a lot. There's been a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I can definitely empathize with the uh, the business partner one. Um, I love my business partner. I've been in business with him for three years, but like, you know, going forward, I wouldn't do it with a business partner again. You know, me and him will stay in business together for a long time, no doubt. But I've pretty much every business I started, I did it with a partner, and you just realize that you you remove a lot of uh, unnecessary hurdles when yeah. you get rid of the second layer of approvals it feels nice when you're younger and you want to like get support and like you know have somebody help you with the work but you know when there's real money involved everything changes um people start turning their backs on each other and you know i think that's a yeah really good i did it too you know i was like oh i want to party it'll be fun and i'm like no, never doing that again <laughs> yeah so. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people haven't experienced, you know, when there's seven figures involved, it's like they've never been through this experience of having to decide who, how we're going to split this money. I, I think that's like when I'm seeing most often, like the conflicts happen is when, you know, yeah. either the business is suffering really bad or it's doing really well. And it's like, oh, well, I've done most of the work along the way. And they, of course, feel like they've done most of the work along the way. So I think that's a, a great place to to close this off and just, you know, let everybody know that you can do it on your own. Once you're at the confidence totally. level of Teresa, then, you know, you don't really <laughs> need to look over. You don't really need to, to bring in any help at the executive level because you have the vision that you yep. need. That's, that's really as simple as it is. So awesome. Well, Teresa, I really appreciate you coming on. I am so excited to get this published and, and out there and, uh, you know, I wish you all the best with your endeavors and I hope we can, uh, keep in, in the loop and whenever you come out to LA, I'll be For happy sure. to uh, 
be your man on the ground you and your husband visit and um yeah looking forward to uh connecting more down the road awesome sounds good thank you so much for having me it was great chatting absolutely we'll have a wonderful afternoon teresa talk soon all right bye